And we've gone a long ways through the life of Joseph. If you've been with us, or if you're just familiar with the story of Joseph, Joseph has been putting his brothers through a series of circumstances to bring them toward God. In this chapter, we see the final meeting. Remember I told you there's three meetings between Joseph and his brothers before they uh, finally break down and then he reveals himself to them in the next chapter. And here in chapter 44, we find this final meeting. And after a short break in chapter 43, if you remember in chapter 43, we were preaching on the subject of why God lingers and why Joseph refrained himself. Why didn't he reveal himself when he was having a wonderful banquet there with his brothers? But in chapter, but he decided not to. He decided to hold. And after that short break, Joseph is back at it again. And something I want you to remember about God. God may give breaks, but he doesn't give up. God may give breaks, but He doesn't give up. And Joseph, if you remember, represents the Lord Jesus Christ in this story. God has been working, and Joseph has been working on all of the brothers. But like it often is, only one has really been responding. And that's, and that's usually how it is. God works in a setting like this, in a church setting. God will use the preaching, and God will use the Bible. And He'll be working on all of us. But so often, only a few of us respond back to Him. And in the story, we find that God and Joseph have been working on all of the brothers. But we see that only one has really been responding. And that one is highlighted for us in this chapter. Uh, skip down to verse number 4. And let me show you that. When the brothers are coming back to Joseph's house, the Bible says this in Genesis 44, 14. It says, And Judah and his brethren. Now, nothing in the Bible is put there by coincidence or mistake. And the Bible highlights for us, he says, Judah and his brethren. Now, here's the thing. That would make sense if maybe Judah was the eldest brother, but Judah was not the eldest brother. In fact, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi were all older than Judah. But the reason that the Bible points for us and pinpoints for us Judah and says Judah and his brothers is because the Bible wants to highlight for us God has been working on Judah. God has been dealing with Judah. And we're going to see tonight how God has dealt with Judah. Before we get into the sermon, we've got to talk very quickly about Judah's history. You've got to understand who Judah is and why it is that, that, that he's being uh, highlighted for us in this uh, passage. You're there in Genesis 44. Go back with me to Genesis chapter number 43, just a chapter before, and look at verse number 8. We began to see Judah responding to God in the previous chapter, chapter 43. If you look at Genesis 43, verse 8, the Bible says, And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me. Remember, they came back from Egypt. Joseph said, I don't want you to come back. I don't want to see your face unless you come back with Benjamin. He kept Simeon. In prison, and he said, oh, you, you can come back if you come back with Benjamin, your younger brother. Jacob says, I'm not sending ben Benjamin. There's no way. We, we're not go you're not going back to Egypt. Not with my youngest son. Not with my favorite son. Verse 8, we see, And Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me. And we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I, this is what Judah said. And this is where we start seeing God working on Judah's life. Judah is now taking the role of a leader. He's taking the, the role of making himself a servant or humbling himself. And he says, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. 
If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. He said, look, Dad, send Benjamin with me and I'm going to make myself responsible. And if I don't bring him back, then I'll take the blame forever. And we start to see God work on Judah's life in chapter 43. But in chapter 38, go back with me to chapter 38. I don't know if you remember 38 and I don't have a lot of time to really develop this. So hopefully you understand what I'm saying. When we started the series in the life of Joseph, we started in chapter number 37. Chapter 37 is where we met Joseph for the first time when we got into the story of Joseph. My whole life growing up as I was reading the Bible and reading through the book of Genesis and reading, I would always be confused by the fact that we start this great story of Joseph in chapter 37. And then in chapter 38, it seems as though we leave Joseph and all of chapter 38 is dealing with Judah and Judah's sin. Chapter 38 highlights for us how wicked and how sinful Judah was. And then in chapter 39, we're right back into the life of Joseph. And I always thought that was odd. Why does God throw in this chapter of Judah right in the middle of the life of Joseph? But there's a reason for it. There's a reason for everything in the Bible. If you remember chapter 38, look down at verse number 14. I'm not going to go through the entire uh, chapter. We did that already. If you want to listen to the sermon, you can listen to it. But in chapter 14, in verse 14 of chapter 38, the Bible says, And she, talking about Judah's daughter-in-law, and if you want to get the entire context, you can read the entire chapter on your own time. But it says, And she put off her widow's garment off from her, and covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which is by the way of Timnah. For she saw that Shelah had grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot. He thought her to be a prostitute because she had covered her face and he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law and she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? Just to give you the short story, Judah lied to his daughter-in-law. He said, I'm going to do this for you. He never did that. So now she's setting him up. She takes off the clothes of a widow and she puts on the clothes of a prostitute and I can't just, I can't say that without saying this. You need to, you better understand ladies, that there is a difference between how a young lady, a Christian lady, a mature lady, a spiritual woman dresses, and there is the attire of a harlot. There is the attire of a prostitute. This young lady, the Bible tells us, she took off the garments of a widow, and she put on the garments of a harlot. And you better figure that out. The way you dress identifies you. And and you young girls better figure that out too. And she dressed like that, and Judah saw her, and he said, oh, there's a prostitute. And he went in unto her. Look at verse 17. And he said, I will, in uh, verse 16. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, and let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was, a daughter, that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? So he said, Well, what are you going to pay me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Will thou give me a pledge till thou send it? He said, Well, how, how do I know you're actually going to send it? Will you, you know, put a down payment? And he said, What pledge will I give thee? And she said, Thy signet, and thy bracelet, and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it her, and came in unto her, and she conceived. So she said, Well, look, how do I know you're actually going to pay me? He said, Well, give me a pledge. She said, Well, what, what do I give you as a pledge? He said, Well, give me your staff, and give me your signet, give me your ring, give me, you know, give me these things. These things that identify Judah. And then when you bring me the lamb, then I'll give these things back. I'm not gonna, I don't want to read the entire story, but just to cut it a little short. They do their thing, she takes off. He sends his friend to give the lamb... And he can't find her. He asked the people down, hey, where was that prostitute that used to be here? They said, there's no prostitute here. So she just took off. So he says, well, well, whatever. You know, I said I was going to bring her the kid of the flock, and she's not there. 
Skip down to verse 24. And it came to pass about three months after, that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. And also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. So he said, hey, your daughter-in-law has been playing the harlot. And she's pregnant because of her whoredoms. Look at Judah's hypocrisy. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. He said, let's put her to death. She's been a prostitute? What? Look at verse 25. And when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law saying, By the man who these are, I am with child. So she comes and they said, We're going to put you to death because you've been playing prostitute. And she said, Well, let me, let me confess. She said, If you want to know who I'm having a child with or who I played a harlot with, the man who these belong to. Look what she did. Smart girl. I am with child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee. Whose are these? The signet and bracelet and staff. And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Sheila my son, and he knew her again no more. So the point of chapter 38 was highlighting for us how wicked and a hypocrite of a man Judah was. But let me show you something else about Judah. Go back with me to chapter 37. You're there in chapter 38. Look at verse number 25. Do you remember when they were getting ready to sell Joseph into slavery? And they threw him in the pit. And their original plan was to kill Joseph. They were going to kill him. But if you look at verse 25 of chapter 37, the Bible says, And they sat down to eat bread. And they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Look at verse 26. Very interesting. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother? And conceal his blood. Come. And let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Isn't that kind of odd? Judah says. You know what? Let's not kill our brother. Because by the way. He is our brother. Let's sell him into slavery. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. They'll go down into Egypt. We'll never see him again. It was originally Judah's plan. To sell his brother into slavery. To sell his brother into slavery in Egypt. Fast forward. Genesis 44. With that said, and with that context in mind, I said, number one, I want you to see Judah's history. Number two, I want you to see Judah's test. I'd like you to see Judah's test. Look at verse 1 of chapter 44. The Bible says, And he commanded, this is Joseph, And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. So Joseph was uh, going to do this final test. And here's what Joseph is doing. He's setting up Benjamin. Joseph tells the steward of the house, he said, put, he said fill their sacks with money, or with, with the food. He said, fill their, put all their money back. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take my cup, my golden cup, and put it in the youngest, in his sack. Joseph is setting up Benjamin. You say, why is he setting up Benjamin? Look at verse 3. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. So the men get up the next day, they think everything's great. Remember last, uh, chapter 43, they just had this great meal and fellowship with Joseph. They get up the next day, they're traveling back home with all the, with all the 
food that they came to get. They're coming out of the city. They think everything's perfect. They think everything's great. All of a sudden, here come these horses. Here come these men. And they surround him. And, and the steward of Joseph's house said, What are you doing? Look at verse 5. Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? They're like, why, why are you saying this to us? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? They're saying, hey look, remember last time that our money came back to us? We were in Canaan. We came all the way back just to return it. Why would we come all the way back, return the money, and then steal from you? They're saying that doesn't make any sense. And they're right. It doesn't make any sense. Look at verse 9. They're so confident of their innocence that they say, With whomsoever of thy servant it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. They say, Hey, whoever you find the cup with, put him to death, and we'll be your slaves. That's how confident we are. That we didn't do it. Look at verse 10. Here's Joseph's plan. And he said, the steward of the house, Now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. So they said, hey, whoever you find it with, kill him, and we'll be your servant. And he said, no, 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 here's the test. Whoever we find the cup with, they're going to be our servant. They're going to be our slave. And the rest of you will be blameless. Look at verse 11. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. And he searched and began at the eldest and left left at the youngest. I love the dramatic ending. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Look at verse 13. Then they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. See, here's what you got to understand. What was the test? And what was Judah's test? And Pastor, why are you saying that that was Judah's test? Here's what you got to understand, okay? Benjamin was the youngest son of Jacob. Benjamin was the favored son of Jacob. Back in the day, Joseph was the youngest son of Jacob. And Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. And Joseph's brothers had no problem with sending him off into slavery and Egypt. And now Joseph has brought all these circumstances together, and he's wanting to see, how are my brothers going to react when faced with the fact that their youngest brother, their their father's favorite brother, might have to be a slave in Egypt. He said, they did it to me, and they didn't care, and I want to see, are they willing to do it to Benjamin? That's the test. And you've got to understand, when you you understand that concept, you understand, really, this was a test for Judah. Because whose idea was it originally to send Joseph into slavery in Egypt? Judah. Can Judah live with this idea? Can Judah live with the concept of knowing that through his actions, two of his younger brothers... His favorite brothers are living in slavery in Egypt. That's the test. That's what, that's what God's trying to accomplish here. Look at verse 14. I said, number one, we were going to see Judah's history. Number two, we're going to see Judah's test. Number three, look at Judah's end. 
The Bible says in verse 14, And Judah and his brethren, it's a test for Judah, came to Joseph's house. For he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? Why ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, I love this verse, just you can sense the emotion in the verse. He says, And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? Notice what he says, God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. So here's what Judah says. He says, God has found out our iniquity. God has found out our sin. Judah is looking at the situation. He's saying, uh, can, can, it, can it be that my youngest uh, brother, my father's favorite son, might have to live a life of slavery in Egypt? And immediately, when he was faced with that problem, his mind went back to Joseph. And he said, this isn't the first time this happened. And he said, God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. And he tries to fix it quickly. He says, Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. Judas trying to tell uh, Joseph, he's trying to say, Look, it's all our fault. We're all your servant. But that's not the test. Look at verse 17. Look at how Joseph responds. And he said, God forbid that I should do so. Joseph said, no, 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 no. All of you are not my servant. That's not the test. He says, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as far as far uh, and as for you, get you up in, uh, in peace unto your father. Here's what Joseph is saying. The test is Benjamin. I want to see how you're going to react to Benjamin. I don't want all of you. I want Benjamin. And I want to see how you're going to react to the fact that Benjamin is going to be a servant. He's going to be a slave in Egypt. Do you, how are you going to react to that, Judah? Look at verse 18. I'd like you to see Judah surrender. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear. And let, the, let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. Judah begins to explain to Joseph how he's been working tirelessly to try to please him. Look at verse 19. He says, My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father and an old man and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servant, Bring him down unto me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servant, Except your, younger, your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came unto, my servant, my, unto thy servant my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down, if our youngest brother be with us. Then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. Joseph is explaining, uh, Judah is explaining to Joseph, he's saying, here's the problem, Joseph. You asked us, do you have a father? We said, yes. You asked us, do you have a brother? We said, yes. You said, bring down your brother. When you bring your brother, then I'll give you the food. Then I'll return Simeon. And we explained to you that our youngest brother is the favorite son of our father. And if we take him away, it's going to break his heart. We can't do it. And you said, don't come back unless you bring Benjamin. And I have been working tirelessly to try to please you. And then he says, 
Not only have I been trying to please you, Joseph, but I've been trying to please my father, Jacob. Look at verse 27. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. That's Joseph and Benjamin. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces. That's Joseph. And I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, he shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. And Judah says in verse 32, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame of my father forever. You said, Pastor Menace, what is the point of this chapter? What is the point of this sermon? Here's what you've got to understand. God is working on us. God is working on you. God is working on me. God uses His Word, God uses the preaching. But sometimes the most effective tool that God has in His toolbox is that of using circumstances. God maneuvers circumstances in our life. God does things in our life. And the purpose of that is to bring us closer to Him. Remember we preached on this? Bring us closer to Him. Bring us contrite to Him. Bring our conscience towards Him so that we can confess our sin to him, But here's the problem. Judah has been running around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to please Joseph, trying to please Jacob. He says, Joseph wants Benjamin. Jacob wants Benjamin. We need to bring Benjamin or we're going to starve. We need the food. Our kids are starving. Our family is starving. He said, I don't know how to do this. He said, I need to take care of this. I don't want to let my family die. He said, I made myself surety. I said, I will take the blame. And, jo- and Judah where God wants. You say, why? Look at verse 33. Here's why. Look at Judah's response. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brother. What an amazing statement. See, 20 some odd years ago, Judah sold the youngest favored brother into slavery into Egypt because he was the youngest and the favorite brother. And 20 some odd years later, here's this is a beautiful thing, here's how God works. God works in your life to do a complete flip-flop. God works in your life to do a complete turnaround. Some odd years later, Judah was the one suggesting, hey, I got an idea, let's take our younger brother and let's, sit, let's sell him into slavery because he's daddy's favorite and he's dad's
I'm going home. But instead, we find a changed man. Instead, he says, no! I'll stay. I'll stay. Let him go, and I'll become sure. Here's what you've got to understand. In your life, in my life, we're running around trying to please this person, trying to please that person, trying to please God, trying to please everybody else. And we've got this little checklist, and we come to God with this attitude, and we say, God, what exactly do you want from us? You come to church, and you write down your little checklist. You say, what is, God wants me to get saved. All right, check. God wants me to get baptized. All right, check. Uh, God wants me to come to church Sunday morning. God, you want me to come to church Sunday morning? All right, check. Uh, oh, oh, God, you want me to come to church Sunday morning and Sunday night? Oh, okay. All right, Sunday morning and Sunday night, check. Oh, oh, God, you want me to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Okay, no problem, I can do that. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Oh, God, you want me to read my Bible every day? Okay, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, read my Bible every day, check. God, you want me to pray every day? Okay, I, I can do that, God. I can please you, and I can please everybody else. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, 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 read my Bible, pray. You want me to go Sony? I, I can do that. I mean, that's a little odd. I'm going out, knocking on doors. Okay, you know, check. What? God, you 10%? 10, tithe? Okay, tithe's on. Hey, I can do that. I love you, God. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, read my Bible, pray, go soul winning, check, 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 check. Here's what you got to understand. God doesn't want checks. God doesn't want, I, I'm going to please you, God. What do you want? I, I'll do that. I'll do that. God, that's not what God is looking for. See, and I'm not saying any of that is bad. God wants you in church Sunday morning. God wants you in church Sunday night. God wants you in church Wednesday night. God wants your tithes and offerings. He wants you to read the Bible. He wants you to pray. He wants you to go soul But God Joseph and Jacob and my brothers and my sister and trying to be uh, here for them and here for them. Here's what God wants. He wants you. He says, now therefore I pray thee. He says, I'm done playing this game, Joseph. He said, I can't do this anymore. He said, I've come to the end of myself. He said, I tried to bring you Benjamin and it falls on my face. I tried to uh, please my brother. I tried to please my dad. It falls on my face. He said, I can't do it. I can't do the checklist. I can't do it all. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just giving my... I'm just giving myself. And see, the Bible says this. Go, go with me to Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter 19. See, here, here's, the, here's the beautiful part of the story. In the next chapter, Joseph is going to reveal himself to his brothers. All this stress that Judah has, he's worried about his family starving. He's worried about the famine. He's worried about how he's going to get food on the plate for his family. He's worried about how he's going to uh, present himself to his father without Benjamin. He's worried about getting Benjamin home. He's worried about bringing, uh, the, you know, bringing uh, food uh, to the table to the family. He's worried about pleasing Joseph. He's worried about pleasing his brothers. He's worried about getting Simeon out of prison. He's worried about all these things. And it's just too much. And see, that's how you live your life. God, God wants you to church on Sunday morning. But my wife needs this on Sunday morning. And my kids need me. You know, I want to go sewing, but then my kids need me here. And then my, my neighbor needs this. And, and I'm trying to, and you're trying to do it all. And here's the, here's the beautiful thing. When Judah comes to the end of himself, and he says, you know what, God? You know what, Joseph? I give up. I can't do it. I'll tell you what. I'll just be a slave. I'll just be a bondman. Can you just let them go? When... Judah comes to the end of himself. All those things he was stressing out about go away. You know why? Because when he comes to the end of himself and Joseph reveals himself to Judah, guess what happens? Benjamin goes on with Jacob. 
Simeon goes home with Jacob. Food goes home to Canaan. And all of them come live in Egypt for the rest of the famine. But here's the difference. At one point, Judah's trying to do it all. And the other point, Judah's just saying, you know what, I quit, I give up. You're there in Matthew chapter 19, look at verse 27. Matthew 19, 27, the Bible says, and that's not the right verse, is it? Matthew 19, oh, I'm in the wrong, yeah, good. No, that's not the verse I wanted either, good night. I mean, that is the verse I wanted eventually. Look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight. that's what I want. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Look at what the Bible says. This is what Jesus Christ said. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto yourselves. And look, look, at, the, look at the verse 30. It's such a beautiful verse. This is what Jesus Christ said. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now here's the thing, if you, if you think the Christian life is tough, if you say, Pastor, I can't do this. I can't live this way. Here, here's the problem. Here's what you're probably trying to do. You're trying to do it in your own strength. You've got a checklist. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, read, pray, tithes, offering, soul winning, uh, uh, don't talk back to this person. Turn, turn the cheek here and do this and do that. And look, all those things are good. But you're trying to do it in your own strength. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourselves a living sacrifice. See, when you come to the end, when you come to God and you say, God, Jesus Christ, I can't do it. Joseph, I can't do it. I can't beat my family. I can't get Simeon back. I can't get Benjamin back. I can't keep my promises. I told God, I come back. I told Jacob, I come back. Bank. I can't do it. And as soon as he says, I can't do it, I give up. Just, I, I'm just going to be a slave. As soon as he submits and he says, I am just going to make myself a slave because I can't do it all. And that moment when he puts his burdens and his yoke upon Joseph, all of a sudden he's able to do it all. He's able to accomplish it all. All of a sudden there's food on the table and Benjamin's home and Simeon's home and Jacob's taking care and Joseph is back and everything's great. What changed? Here's what changed. One moment he was trying to do it all. The other moment he was just letting Joseph take care of Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. And he says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's, it's, not, it's easy to serve God. It's easy. You say, No, it's, it's hard to come to church three times a week. Is it harder than being addicted to drugs and alcohol? Is it harder than knowing where the next meal is going to come from? Or knowing uh, what's going to happen with your job? or what? And I'm not saying, you know, you serve God and all those things are going to happen. But I will tell you this. You serve God and you don't worry so much about those things. Because you're no longer trying to uh, go through this. Well, see, here's what I don't understand from people. How they make it through life without Jesus Christ. How they make it through life. I remember I was, I was working at Wells Fargo Bank. Right, when my wife and I first got married. And this is a silly illustration. And you're going to think, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But just hear me out. I remember I was walking and I got in this job. I've been working there for maybe three Three weeks, and it was a, a business call center. They would call in, and it was like a, a bit. I only deal with business transactions at that time, and, I, and, and they would listen to your calls, and they'd record you, and they take you into QA. And the, after the first three or four weeks, they they would take you in this thing, and they would score you. 
And if you didn't pass, you were fired. And people would get fired. And I remember the manager came, and this is my first real job as an adult, you know, whatever. And I've been married for just a few weeks and all these things. And I remember the manager came, and she said, come with me, we're going to go to your QA meeting. And she took me around a corner, and we went into this hall. I remember she opened the hall, and there's this huge, long corridor. And she said, we're going to the last door, that's where your appointment is. And I remember the whole way, you know, it's kind of like slow motion. You know? <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, it wasn't like that, but in my mind. And she said, are you worried? And I said, you know, and this is a Christian lady. I said, you, you know, be honest with you, I, I don't know how everybody else deals with this stress, because when I'm a little stressed out, I just think to myself, well, God's going to take care of me. God's going to do it. If God doesn't want me to work here, then God will have a job for me. God's going to take it. But see, here, I don't understand how the world goes through life. And, and, and Judah was trying to go through life. I got this. It's like, you're, you know, you ever watch those people where they're spinning all those different plates, and they got them all. That's how you're kind of going in your life. You're spinning this plate, you're spinning that plate. You're trying to keep everything above water. And if you just say, you know what, God? I'm done. I'm done with the checklist. I'm just going to make myself a servant. I'm just going to make myself a slave because your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You say, what's the blessing there? Go, go back. We're almost done, I promise. Look at Genesis 44. Genesis 44. You say, uh, Pastor Jimenez, why, why was this life highlighted? Judah did it a completely turnaround. He went... From selling his youngest favored brother. Because he was the youngest favored brother. From to giving himself as a slave to protect his youngest favored brother. Because he was the youngest favored brother. You know what I love about God? Is that he, he completely turns your life. This is what God does. God takes a drug addict from being a drug addict to being the guy trying to help people get off drugs. God takes the alcoholic from being an alcoholic to being the guy trying to encourage people to get off the alcohol. He takes, uh, you know, someone who's maybe loose with their morals to someone who's very uh, holy and godly. God will take your life. He'll turn it around and spin it on his head. And, and people will look at it and say, what happened there? Are you in a cult? <laughs> so people say, you in a cult? Started going at Baptist church. He said, what's the blessing? Go with me to Genesis Chapter number 49. We're going to deal with this chapter when we get to it, but I just want to show you something real quickly. If you've been with us in the book of Genesis, you know this. God called a man named Abraham. And He promised him that the Messiah would come from his lineage. God gave Abraham a son named Isaac. And through Isaac, the Messiah, the Messiah is going to come. And Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And God chose Jacob to bring us the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jacob had twelve sons. And God now has a choice. He has to pick a son. Who will be the son that brings us the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You say, if you know the end of the story, you know God chose Judah. You say, why, why did He choose Judah? You're, you're there in Genesis 49. Go, keep your finger there because we're going to look at it. But go back to Genesis 44 very quickly. Look at verse 32. For thy servant became surety of the lad unto my father, saying, 
If I bring him not unto thee, notice what Judah said, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Here's what Judah did. He endangered his name and his reputation forever. For eternity. He said, if I fail to bring back my son, I will take his blame forever. And here's what God did for Judah. Since he was willing to sacrifice his name forever, God rewarded his name forever. You're there in Genesis, uh, look at Genesis 49. Look at verse number 27. Genesis 49, in verse number 27, uh, Genesis 49, let's see here. I'm sorry, I'm giving you all the wrong verses. Uh, Verse number 8, that's what I want you to look at. Genesis 49, verse 8. Jacob is getting ready to die and he's blessing his sons. Look what he says to, to Judah in verse 8. Judah, thou art him, him, or thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone, gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter, that's talking about a kingdom. That's talking about a king. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garment in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grape. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You may be at the point in your life, or you may get to this point in your life where you think there's something, it's not worth it. I can't do it. I can't spin all these plays. I can't do all these things. I can't please all these people. I can't check all the marks. I can't accomplish all of it. It's too big. It's too much. It's too much of a sacrifice. Judah got to the place. He said, I put my name on the line forever. A sacrifice forever and I failed. And God said, you know what? With a big sacrifice comes a big reward. He said, you're willing to put your name on the line forever and here's what I'm going to do for you, Judah. I'm going to bless your name forever. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ will reign on the throne of David, the son of Judah, for a thousand years. The Bible tells us that the the Lord Jesus Christ, that God chose Judah and God chose that tribe and God chose that lineage to bring us Jesus Christ. He said, why did God choose Judah over Levi and Simeon and Reuben and Benjamin and all these other guys. Here's why. Here's why I believe God chose them. Because Judah was willing to give a big sacrifice. I will give my name forever. I will take the blame forever. And God says you're willing to take the blame forever. Then I'm going to bless you forever. And you may be in the point in your life where saying this is too much of a sacrifice. I'm just here to tell you with a big sacrifice comes big reward. With a big sacrifice comes big reward. Can we go to Matthew 19? That's where I want you at the end. We're done. Matthew 19. Judah endangered his name forever, and God blessed his name forever. Matthew 19, look at verse 27. Matthew 19, verse 27. I don't have time to get into it. I preached a sermon on it already. You can listen to it online or grab the CD. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus Christ. He says, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus Christ gives him an answer. He says, it's not worth it. I don't want to do it. Look at verse 27. Then answered Peter, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all, and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? They just watched the young man say, I don't want to serve Jesus. It's not worth it. 
And Peter says, well, we serve Jesus. We've forsaken all. He said, what are we going to get? Look at verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and every one, listen to what it says, verse 29, and every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundred Fold. Okay, you, you come to me and say, Pastor, if I, if I do this, if I live the Christian life, if I sell out, if I get extreme like you're extreme, you don't understand, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to lose uh, the, the respect that I get. I'm going to lose my, my friends. They're all, you know, I'm going to lose it all. I'm here to tell you something. If you forsake uh, brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or land, Jesus Christ said, for my name's sake, you shall receive a hundredfold. You know what a hundredfold is? That's a lot. It's better than the stock market will give you. It's better than you get from your 401k. Well, my 401k, they match me 3%. It's, it's more than that, trust me. And shall inherit everlasting life. Look at verse 30. We're done. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You just, you just stick with God. Judah, just stick with God. And it's alright. The, the story of Joseph is really, in a sense, the story of Judah. God takes a sinful, wicked, selfish man, turns him around, he sacrifices his life forever, and instead of sacrificing his life, God blessed him forever. And that's the plan that God has for you. In the circumstances of life, as things happen, and you, and you ask this question, what is God doing? This is what God's trying to do. He's trying to change you, and He's trying to get you to the place where you say, God, I give up, I wave the white flag, I'm going to take your yoke. My yoke's pretty heavy. Let me try your yoke for your yoke for a minute, and you're gonna find his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer, dear Father. Thank you, Lord, so much for church, and thank you for the life of Joseph and these uh, verses in the book of Genesis. I, uh, they're a blessing to me, and I would pray that they'd be a blessing to others as well. We love you, Lord, in your precious name. I pray.